Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Welcome to another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. I'm your host, Joe Velarde, and I'm so grateful to have my good friend, longtime mentor that knew me way back when, when I was a middle school student, sixth grade is actually when our relationship be, began. I won't tell you what year that was uh, for his sake or my sake uh, for, to reveal our age there. Uh, but my good friend, Todd Rainwater, who is in the Atlanta area at a church called Mount Perrin Church of God. And that's the church I was at as a, as a young, young child and, and grew up in. And the reason we're going outside the Lehigh Valley, I just want to remind you a couple of reasons why. One is we want to learn lessons about how to lead through COVID-19 from people outside the immediate Lehigh Valley. The second reason is because there are so many people who have impacted and influenced my vision for the Valley, and I want you to hear from them. And then the last part of this is I just have a lot of questions about life and leadership, and I want to make sure that I share that information with you. So I thought it'd be appropriate to hit the record button and let you in on those conversations. Uh, But we're so glad that you're tuning in with us. And I'm honored to have Todd Rainwater with me. So grateful for his influence in my life. And so I wanted just to ask you, Todd, tell us a little bit about yourself and and Mount Perrin Church of God. Joe, it's so good to be with you today, man. And thank you for the invitation and uh, the opportunity to get together and talk for a minute. You, um, your friendship is so valuable to me, man. And just seeing your face today, and I know everyone's just hearing our voices, but seeing you uh, on podcast or on this uh, Zoom call is just fantastic, man. And um, my name is Todd. I, uh, I've been in pastoral ministry for, uh, I guess, a little season here, 28, 29 years. I've been in part of one church um, only. That is Mount Perrin Church here in Atlanta, Georgia. And when I was just getting my feet wet, when I was green behind the ears, when they had uh, surprisingly allowed me to come be on their pastoral staff, they sent me down to the middle school room. And uh, two guys that forever shaped my life were part of my first group there. And that was uh, Joe and his brother. And I then met his older brother and uh, some more of his family. And our journey began uh, back then. It was, it was, that was a great time. Oh man, it was so awesome. Yeah. And I, I think even just to put in the context, uh, Todd was the c- guy that came in and man, he was dealing with these two hyperactive twin boys as well as many other, uh, people. And then he would, he would often spend time with us outside of just the, the middle school program that would happen on Wednesday nights there at Mount Perry. And he would pick us up and, and we always joke around about this in the Cheyenne truck. And, uh, that's right. Mustard yellow, mustard yellow, 1972 Chevy Cheyenne, baby. Dude, but he was, he was, uh, he was repping that well. And we would often go to uh, Chick-fil-A for breakfast or uh, there was a mall in our area called Cumberland Mall that's still there. And we would, you know, hang out and spend time together. And, and through that, he would really um, use his life to impact and influence uh, me and, and uh, my, my identical twin brother, John, and also my older brother, Jesse. Um, but really, Todd was the first example I got of really uh, in the church of what it means to be the church and like the hands and feet. 
and to not just talk about the Jesus thing, but to actually live that out and to walk with others. And we would often uh, get into serious conversations. There's a lot of conversations about dating. There's a lot of challenging about <laughs> my dating relationships. Uh, there was a lot of uh, drilling down in the scripture. Uh, there's, there was times of even uh, working through a lot of just personal pain of, of things I didn't even understand fully. You know, uh, thankfully, me and my dad have reconciled. But at that point in time, my dad was not in, in the picture. And uh, Todd was uh, a big part of filling that void in that gap. Um, and so I'm just always grateful for Todd. I was telling him early on, and I, I often tell him this because I just want him to know, I, I seriously thank God for him uh, because God used him in such a, a mighty way in my life and just the man I would go on to become, but also even my vision for what the church could and should be. And uh, really um, gave me this sense, even though I didn't fully know what it meant to follow Jesus yet. Uh, that I wanted to give my life to serve Jesus. And, and part of that was watching how Todd lived his life. And it wasn't just that, oh man, this is fun. Like, yeah, but just the impact he was making on me. And I thought I was going to be a forever youth pastor right out of uh, college. And then God introduced me to uh, this idea of, of starting churches and that he had put that in, in my heart and, and wired me for that. But, but Todd has been such a big part of, of the story of the Velarde party. And uh, man, just really excited to have you here and able to, to see your face and then for others to hear your story a bit. And so Todd, you, you've been at Mount Perrin, you said for 30 years about, right? Yeah, it's coming, it's, it's heading in that direction. I'd like to think I was 30 years old, but the facts are I've been here for 30 years and that's a, that's a long time, but that's good. And, and um, though I haven't been other places this place has continued to mold and grow mm -hmm. and i've had a privilege of mo of growing and being molded with it and and uh, a lot of my life has been invested here i um i'm a guy who usually gets kind of dug in and uh, and committed to something and just kind of get dug into it and uh stick stick it out god has to shake me up to move me around yeah. and uh but he's allowed me to stay and grow and hopefully be fruitful in this place for a while. And um, it's good. I think the relationships I've built here are so much a part of who I am huh. and what I, in the way God works through me. I mean, Joe, um, he showed me that early on with you and your family and um, you uh -huh. know, people don't care how much, you know, they know that you care. Uh -huh. And um, I think if I had one thing to, that you're just, the way we grew together was uh, just an opportunity to hopefully show somebody cared. <laughs> and then if I got to share some things that I knew along the way, that was just icing on the cake. Yeah. Love some folks. And, um, and then if there was an opportunity to share some truth, that was a good thing too. Yeah. And I, th I think that's one of the things that I really admire about you too, is um, you know, the, the longevity there and the, the more I'm into it, the more like I'm, I'm recognizing not only the value of like the fruitfulness, we often get like hung up on that, but the faithfulness part that leads to the fruitfulness. And what you said yeah. earlier. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, buddy. I was just gonna say that, you know, people in ministry falls into this all the time too. People think the grass is greener on the other side, uh -huh. but the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. That's right. And where you fertilize it. And, um, you know, I, I, I've, I, 
I hope that my life has spent some time fertilizing and seeding and watering this ground in a way that's uh, going to be really fruitful. Really yeah. Fruitful. Well, well, I think, I think of even what I'm doing now, it's like, well, it's really out of the overflow of others pouring into me, you know, and, and you're definitely one of those guys, Todd. So I, there's not a question for me about your fruitfulness. And in, in those of you who don't know Todd uh, beyond just the way he cares. I mean, if you saw him, now um, you would realize that he drinks from the fountain of youth. I mean, the guy looks the same that he did uh, 30 years ago when I first met him. I, I don't know how that is possible, uh, but every time I see him, I'm like, dude, this guy, does he even age? Does he age at all? <laughs> it's because he's, he's always consuming Chick-fil-A. Maybe there's a secret. That's his secret sauce in the midst of it. But God someone, would tell us what the secret is. If you'll call your brother, he'll tell you what the secret is. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. And I, and I think too about um, back to that caring thing. You know, I wanted to ask you, Todd, like when you think of caring for people that then leads you potentially to the opportunity to share with them something, what are some of the, the intangibles that you've held on to in that area of caring? Like what, what are the things that allow you to, you know, that, that you've tried to really um, lead from when it comes to caring for others? You know, I think a lost art, and that, that was actually a title of a book, The Lost Art of Listening. Mm. In my master's program, um, I had a pastoral counseling course that um, really focused on the art of listening. And um, I thought I was a good listener, <laughs> I figured out I could grow a lot in that area. <laughs> and man, listening, the, the key word, the key phrase that stuck out to me from the book that I've realized is true in life is one of the greatest ways to show someone you love them hmm. is by listening to them. Mm -hmm. We did some of the craziest activities in this class, and I won't spend a long time talking about it, but two or three of the activities that kind of built on one another was first we got in these little groups of three and there was an observer. There was someone who shared. And then the third person, and this is what the whole thing was about. There was a third person and all they were to do was to listen. Hmm. Listening is harder than you think, hmm. Hmm. especially for pastors like us, Joe, who want to <laughs> then interject a scripture or pray or minister and those are good things don't hear me wrong but our job was to simply be quiet and listen and um i found that harder to do than i thought so the first time we got together one person shared another person listened and the third person graded you on how well you just listened in other words shut up <laughs> don't say anything and then Round two was a listener, a hearer, excuse me, someone sharing, someone listening, and then a grader. And you had to ask probing questions. You weren't supposed to fix anything or tell them what to do or give them advice. You just had to listen and ask more questions. And um, I learned through that how to be a better listener and how that really communicates love. But I tell you the biggest thing I learned right there, Joe, was not my role as a listener. The biggest aha came when I was the sharer. Huh. Because here's what happened to me. Um, 
I got to talk and share. And again, they were, you, know, you could share something of significance or depth or you could share a hurt or you could share anything. It was really, it was wide open. Um, but what happened to me when I was the sharer and I really got the sense that someone was deeply listening and participating with me in the moment in the story and in, in what I was sharing, I was sharing something that was hurtful to me and I felt so ministered to without one piece of advice, one scripture or one prayer, just to feel like I was seen and heard right where I was. God then stepped in and ministered to me because I knew I was no longer invisible and alone and isolated by this thing. It was the most profound moment when I felt the experience of one who had truly been heard and, and, and um, someone could relate to what I was going through. It was a powerful moment. Um, so when, you're, when we're caring for people, I think if we would learn to speak less and listen more with empathy and compassion, really seeking more to to be in the moment with the person and love them in it and not feel the pressure to change them, heal them, fix them, resolve their problem, have a Messiah complex that you got to save them. Those are good. I'm not bemoaning those. I'm just saying that comes sometimes often after they've fully been heard. And I think that's something that we miss in this information age where we don't have time for each other. We just want to share what we know more people than more people than I'd like to be. And I've been one of them want to tell you what I know. Hmm. And I'm not so sure that's ministering to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So I learned the power of listening. Hmm. I want to be a better listener. I, you know, Jesus was amazing, but I think he was also an amazing listener. He listened beyond the surface. He heard to the heart you know, he saw the wounds that nobody else could see or nobody else could hear. He, would, he was able to see into the heart of a man and then into the heart of a woman. And we are able to do that more. We're, I'm not saying we're Jesus and able to see as clearly as he did, but we can, we can get a better picture of that the more we just listen. The gift of listening. And I tell you, these stupid cell phones and the neurotic, <laughs> crack-like dependency we have on this, our attention spans about 2.3 seconds. <laughs> it is agonizing. Let's just let's go on the other side of that equation for a minute. It is agonizing to listen to some people. Let's just admit that right up front. That is hard to do. It grates on me. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. But if I can calm my own heart and spirit and minister, the, the ministry of presence. Oh man, it's so good. It's huge. You know, knowing, not knowing what to say should be a, it's a gift, not a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you step into that hospital room or into that moment where that person needs a job or their marriage is broken or their kids have, are, are astray or, or they've just heard from the doctor or they just got fired and you're like, that's a sticky place to be, but, I'm telling you, most of the time, we're not looking for answers as much as just to be heard 
and someone to know I'm not invisible right now. Yeah, I don't know. No, I think that's, that's uh, yeah, I would say that's, that's so good, Todd, because I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking, wow, uh, the power of, of our presence uh, by having ears to hear, and we have ears to hear, there's an empathetic spirit that we bring. And we come less with opinions and thoughts and fresh insights. And we say, hey, you know what? I may have all those things, but I'm not going to share those things. What I want to come with is a, a listening ear that says, I'm here. I'm here. I'm fully present. My phone's away. Like right now, for example, I purposely turned my phone off because I want to, I, I haven't been able to, to see Todd in some time. And, you know, since the fall, I saw him. <laughs> I want, man, like these are times I want, I don't want to miss this because I've got my little phone thing going off or whatever. And, you know, you know, but to be fully present and then to come, I think, um, with a, an intentionality with the questions that we're going to ask. And I, I think what I, what I think is missed often is we're quick to share opinions and slow to get the thoughts of the people we're talking with. And if we would just ask good questions and listen and not even like, I love how you said that Todd, not interject. I, I think about even our friendship and all the years, I think about whether you picked me up in the Cheyenne truck and we were talking in that way, or, you know, at the Chick-fil-A, I think about the moments that were hard, even like, Hey, I had this emergency surgery. I remember as a middle schooler and you came in, you came in that room and you, your presence uh, brought relief, you know, in the midst of, um, all that was going on because I was really scared as a middle schooler. Like, whoa, they're gonna <laughs> do this procedure, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And you, I remember you saying to me, like, hey, it's gonna be okay, but you, you need to do this. This is for your good. And uh, you know, I remember you saying things like when I would be really angry, and there's a lot of anger and uh, sadness and hurt in my own story. And there are times you would, you would listen, but then you would challenge. You'd be like, "Hey, all right, do you want to? You really want to go? Do you do you want to punch me?" <laughs> like, go ahead. Let's let's see how that works out for you. You know, and you, <laughs> and by the way, Todd is uh, very athletic and strong. He's a great wrestler too. Um, I, I've done all the above with my friend here. But I think the power, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, um, whether whatever your vocation is, don't lose the art of listening. Instead, grow in your ability. Listen, you know, I was been reading, I've been reading through the book of James and there's this practical advice that's given to us. It says to uh, be quick to listen and slow to speak, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And so as you think about that in your, your own life, in your leadership, wherever you are, whether that's in your home or that's in your neighborhood, especially in your home, because it, it gets a little more challenging, right? You get used to the people, right? <laughs> your neighborhood, you know, um, the vocation that you have, maybe you're an employer or an employee. Now, when's the last time you asked the other, how you do, how are you doing? How are you doing in the midst of COVID? How's your family? How can I help? You know, these questions around those things, how are you doing with it being such a long period of time of being in the holding pattern? You know, these are questions that speak of care and allow us to dig down deep and not to just ask surfacey questions in the sense of, um, what did you think about the the weather today? You know, not that you don't you can ask that kind of stuff, or you know, but I think it's important to to be willing to ask a question like, how are you doing? You know, That's exactly right. And I tell you, Joe, a thing that dawned on me several years ago, <clears throat> as I tried to be a better listener and open my heart up to that, was that people have 
things there that, that is bigger than them that they're facing. Everybody is facing something. And I really found an ability to, um, the ministry came when, when um, I realized what can I do in this moment? Because a lot of times, say, say for instance, someone has, another man lost their job. And um, for instance, and, and they come in and they're, they're very discouraged. They're, you know, their self-worth is in the tank and, and they're fearful about not having income right now. And, and uh, they don't know where to turn, what to do next. And, you know, there, there's a myriad of issues that they're facing. And um, what I realized as a pastor and as a believer as in that moment was there's, there's really two battles going on, not one. And the two battles were, there was the battle in the natural that was, uh, I need a job and I need some income. Uh, you know, I can't float along long without the money. And that was a very real thing. And, and I wasn't hiring. I mean, I couldn't hire you, so I couldn't solve that problem, but God could. And then, but there's a second problem and we all know this, but it's that spiritual battle beneath that battle. It's the, the enemy, you know, Peter tells us the enemy roams around. He's a, he's a jerk, man. He roams around like a roaring lion, waiting for opportune moments to jump in and gang pile anybody. Huh. So what I learned was there's two battles. There's the battle that is the discouragement and the hopelessness and the, and the, and the powerlessness and the, just the, the depression and the disappointment that comes in that moment. There's the battle dealing with that. And then there's the battle of, I really need a job and I have to work hard and put a resume together and start job hunting. And um, I, after listening, I would try and identify these two battle fronts. Hmm. And I said, while I'm not hiring, I can help you battle here. Hmm. And what we're going to do is I'm going to take authority in Jesus name over the, 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 anything that would try and, you know, gang pile on you right now and bring discouragement and hopelessness and fear and worry and anxiety and try and try and pin you down. Cause I believe that if I can help through the through praying in the powerful name of Jesus, if I can help lift that off of you, that you have, a natural ability. God will, God will give you favor in this thing that, to get out there and to do what you need to do mm-hmm. to put the resume together and get yourself heading back in the right direction and trusting God for those results. And so I found myself really helping them see there's probably two battlefronts and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to annihilate this one. We're going to use the powerful name of Jesus to eradicate and to bind up those forces that are trying to um, keep you from doing what, you, you need to be doing and trusting God with those results. So I found that very effective way to help those in situations where, again, I didn't, I wasn't hiring. I'm not a doctor. I can't heal. I'm not a counselor. I can't even solve your, your, your concerns. I'm not a, I'm not a mediator. I can't fix your marriage, you know, but what I can do is come in and pray in that powerful name of Jesus so that you would then have clarity and strength and a hope, a, a position of hope. You know, Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope, I love that title of our God. May the God of hope fill you because that's what you feel right now. You're empty. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. 
May you even overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be released in that moment to fill, even to a point of overflowing hope. That's what believers have in the middle of crises is overflowing hope. Uh-huh. They have peace. They can have joy there because they know the God of hope. Oh, that's, so that, that's, that's important. Well, and, and we can pray and believe for that and, and, and watch people. Because when, when, when that overflowing hope touches the spirit and the heart of someone walking through a crisis, suddenly they realize they're not alone. My God is bigger than my problems. And I can walk forward in this time. It's Jesus in the boat, you know. Here's where I am most of the time, though, when that problem happens. I'm, 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 I'm the disciples in the boat. The storm's hitting. You know, the winds and the waves are crashing in. We're taking on water. We're in the middle of the sea. We're panicked. We're scared out of our pants. And there's Jesus in the back of the boat asleep on a pillow. I was like, dude, are you paying any attention here? Because I don't know how you're sleeping in this. And they wake, up, wake him up. Don't you care? And what happens in that moment, what the enemy tries to do, I realized this when I was reading this story a few years ago, they were more overwhelmed with the storm around them than Jesus who was in the boat with them. They were underwhelmed by Jesus. Mm. Mm. And I don't want to, I want to make sure that I stay in a position where I'm overwhelmed with Jesus and so much that I'm underwhelmed with what's going on around me. And as believers in Jesus Christ, when we pray and when we, we step into that moment with a friend. We're not so much solving the problem, but we're magnifying Jesus. Mm. Don't forget who's in the boat. Let's look to him. Let's use it. The disciples came back from ministering when he sent out the 12 and when he sent out the 42, and they were amazed. They said, even the demons uh, flee when, when we use your name. And I, I, I want to be a man who is, who is skilled and who practices and who's, who becomes even increasingly proficient in using the name of Jesus. Paul, Peter talked about using the, the name of Jesus in Acts chapter two, 3 and 4, where that lame man was there, and he says, silver, he was in the same boat, silver and gold I don't have. I don't have a job. I can't fix your family. I'm not an orthopedic surgeon to put your legs back together. I'm not a chiropractor. I can't fix your back problem. It's probably leading to these leg problems where you can't walk. I can't do any of that. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene, stand up and walk. And wouldn't you know it, I'd have been the first guy there to be most surprised that the name actually worked. And he jumped <laughs> to his feet. He starts dancing around. And the next thing you know, you know, they're, they're declaring it. And when he gets in front of the crowd, he says, why are y'all surprised? Hmm. And then he gives the, 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 the answer of answers. He goes, it was, be, it was because of the powerful name of Jesus. Then in the next day, you know, they get arrested. The next day they're sitting before the court and they're like, he goes, do y'all want to know what happened yesterday? I'll tell you what happened yesterday. He goes, what happened yesterday is the powerful name of Jesus healed this man. It was powerful. And then, you know, they get back to the house with everybody and they said, Lord, stretch forth your hand with, they, this was their prayer, stretch forth your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be performed through that name through the powerful name of Jesus. And I think it's time for the church. This is a bright time for the church to listen better and to learn how to minister in the powerful name of Jesus. 
God still performs miraculous signs and wonders. God still stretches forth his hand with healing power. And that's a good thing. Amen to that, man. That's so good. And, and I was going to say, too, I, I think as you consider where we are in, in COVID-19, I think what a fitting time for us to re-examine and re-emerge ourselves in those two things, the power and the art of listening. Yes. Uh, you know, right now, there are a lot of strong opinions, in case you could not tell, about COVID-19, what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Yeah. And we're on the front lines of that. You know, you're in the state of Georgia, and the state of Georgia is starting to open back up and things are moving. But, you know, it's difficult for the size and scope of different churches to be able to move how they normally would move or what they usually would do. And so you have a lot of opinions in that way. And, mm-hmm. and so you're, you're, you're uh, in the middle of that. And I think the power that we, we have and the gift that we give is to show up and listen. And not even pretend we have, we had no, we don't know. Like, I think that's one of the challenges right now within leadership that I'm watching is the leaders who I admire and respect in this time aren't the ones who say, Hey, I've got it all figured out. Here's our plan. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And that's comforting in some ways, but the reality is no one's led through a pandemic that's leading. So if we could just be honest with empathy and say, I'm not fully sure what this all means. We're following this, but I'm so sorry for what's happening right now in, with job losses, with health, the health uh, issues, people losing their lives. You know, if we would come and lead that way, not just on a macro level, but then on a micro level, enter into people's personal pain, whether that's mental health issues, emotional issues, spiritual issues, all these things. And my wife often, who's a great listener, <laughs> and Todd knows me well, and he's smiling and laughing because he knows I'm, I'm the talker and I'm the, hey, you know, uh, but, but one of the things she's taught me is the, 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 the power and the art of listening well and showing up. But her challenge sometimes is because she doesn't feel like she has something to say, mm. that that's not much to give. And I always thought that's exactly what people want. Yeah. She's like, I'm overwhelmed by what to say in this moment. That's, use your superpower. <laughs> your superpower is your heart reader. You listen to people. And we can all be heart readers where we take the time to listen. And then I, I also would agree and would add, and we're, we're coming in the name of Jesus. I was thinking about, as you were talking, Todd, about what 2 Corinthians 10.5 says. We're, we're taking captive every thought according to Christ. We're demolishing every stronghold. We're, man, that would stand up against the name and the person and the work of Jesus. Yes. And the question I want to ask us to all consider, are we underwhelmed by Jesus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know some of us who are listening are on our, our spiritual seekers, we're not fully there yet. And that's totally fine. But I want you to just look Jesus in the eye for who he is. And for those who are followers of Jesus, are you looking at the people in the boat? Are you looking at the storm around you and yet missing the one who's more powerful than your set of circumstances that's and true. more powerful than what you're, you're facing and going through? Because as big as this crisis is, and it is big and we're not minimizing that Todd and I both, you know, our, our lives have been changed. In the 30 years of him doing this, he's never led in a season like this, and neither have I um, in my, my short time of leadership as well. But as great as the crisis is, how much more powerful is the name of Christ? That's right. You know, so, as, you know, I think that's important that we, we you know, look at COVID in those, through those lenses, too, of listening and coming in the name of Jesus as well. Yeah. You're exactly right, Joe. I appreciate all you're saying. 
you know, uh, just speaking of listing one more time, um, this may be obvious to everybody, but just to say it, you know, I think we can listen with, if you could call it two sets of ears. Hmm. What I mean by that is um, being able to listen not only to what you hear in the natural, but being able to listen spiritually. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a gift that God wants to give us. There's a, a story that I, I think I've told a thousand times during this COVID crisis that has meant so much to me. Um, it's actually a negative story, to be really honest. With you. <laughs> it's a Bible story, but it's, it's kind of negative. The point's negative. Um, it's, it's found in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter nine, it's in the Old Testament. God had made many, many promises to the Jews and the people of Israel. And maybe the biggest was that he was going to give them a promised land. He had promised to give them a land and they left Egypt, you know, under Moses. And then they spent those years in the desert years, uh, those 40 years in the desert. And then Moses passed and Joshua came to leadership and he was going to lead them across the Jordan river into the promised land. And sure enough, they do that and the first place they find themselves is Jericho and the famed walls of Jericho fall Mm. when they march around them and uh, shout and blow the trumpets. And and then they move to this town called I, AI and they uh, defeat that town. And God told them in this time, make no treaties with anybody. He had a special plan for them and reasons for that. And um, in chapter nine, it begins with the, like four or five nations who were going, they and their kings were going to come against Israel and they were going to team up. All four or five of them were going to team up and they were going to do a frontal attack on Joshua and the people. And that's the way the chapter nine begins. But on about verse three or four, a new people called the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites come on the scene and they have a totally different tactic. They're not going to go to war with the Israelites because they've already heard God is with Joshua and you're going to get your butt kicked is basically what the point was. (laughs) So they tried a different tactic and I had to actually look this word up because I wasn't exactly sure that I understood fully what it meant. It said they resorted to a ruse, R-U-Z-E, ruse, (laughs) which means they resorted to trickery. It was a shell game. They were, it was a smoke and mirror show. And it said that the they got a de- the Gibeonites got a delegation together, and they got together five things. They got an old moldy piece of bread. They got they got the most worn out pair of shoes they could find with holes in them and tattered. They got this this old worn out garment like my daughters wear. They they buy a pair of jeans and and fray them on purpose. <laughs> They got an old wine skin, like an old bottle or an old something that, you know, a wine skin that was cracked and molded and couldn't even hold any liquid. And then they got a saddle, a saddle that was so torn up, it wouldn't even stay on the horse or the donkey. And they took this delegation and these five items to Joshua and the elders. And they said, hey, listen, boys, we're, so, we're from so far away. Uh, we want you to make a treaty with us. And, 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 and the reason you can make a treaty with us is because we're from so far away, you really don't even need to pay attention to us. Matter of fact, we're from so far away that when we left, this bread was fresh out of the oven, brother. I'm telling you, I got these Nikes. I got the box at home that this came out of. 
I mean, I had to take the little paper insert out and put the shoestrings in myself. That's how new these were. These jeans were straight off the rack, had to pop a tag before I even put them on. You know, this, this was brand new stuff, but look at it now. Hmm. It is so old. That's how far we've traveled before we got here. And Joshua 9.14 says this, that the Israelites, Joshua and the elders, they studied and they sampled the provisions, the evidence, but they failed to consult with the Lord. <laughs> and they made a treaty with the Gibeonites. And three days later, the truth came out. Mm. And here's, what I, here's why that story has been important to me. Like you said, Joe, it, it, it is, we've not led through a time like this. Mm-hmm. And we live in a time, and I'm not calling everybody bad. Please don't hear that. But mm. everybody wants to show you some moldy bread, <laughs> torn up jeans, and a pair of worn out shoes and say, this is what you need to believe right here. And another group of people says, no, this is what you need to believe. And another people go, no, this is what you need to believe. And some of them have good hearts, and some, but some of them have an agenda behind that. And the problem is we don't know who's who. But here's what we do know. If, if you're a believer, I need you to listen to me. And if you haven't yet trusted Christ or you're not a follower of Christ, this is what you may be missing out on. Listen to this. We can consult with God. Let me tell you who does know what's going on. He knows where the Gibeonites are from. He knows when people are trying to put a ruse on you. He knows when the enemy's trying to trick you. He knows when they got some scheme going on that you hadn't quite figured out. And I'm telling you, when this thing first started, I said, Lord, I don't, I don't have a clue who to, who to trust right now, or who to believe. All this sounds pretty good to me. I can see that. I can understand that. I can figure that. I, that makes sense. I don't know. But I sat back and I said, Lord, I need you to tell me that I need, I need to consult with you. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let you ask God. He will show it to you. He will generously provide wisdom for you. And I, I've really sought to, what, one thing I've learned through this, this COVID thing is to consult God more. And, and again, I'm not trying to be naive here, so don't hear me wrong. But I need to do a little less sampling and a little more consulting with God. Mm-hmm. I think that is a scary statement. Joshua 9.14. They sampled the provisions but they failed to consult with God. Can I share another verse, Joe? Yeah, man, do it, man. This is great. I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and, and, and that's my position. So I'll just say that up front. So <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells some amazing things. Can I just talk for a second out of the Bible? I'm, I'm about to get on. I'm about to shift gears here. <laughs> Go for it, man. So – I'm, I'm jumping in in the middle of the paragraph, so that's kind of a dangerous thing to do. So there's, mm. I'm not giving you a bunch of context here, but let's just jump in. You've, maybe if, if you've ever been to church or heard preaching, you may have heard this statement. Paul writes and says, he, he quotes this, uh, this passage and from Isaiah, and he says this. He says, no eye has seen, 
No ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Yes. And, and that is a, it's, it's fun to think about what all God has prepared for us, but we get all caught up in no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, but that's really not the end of the statement. Hmm. End of the, matter of fact, in the NIV translation, that's not even the end of the sentence. Hmm. There's not a period there. The point is there's more he's saying. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no, no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for us. And then verse 10, he goes, the, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. In other words, it's not that they're unknowable or hidden because God doesn't have one, but they're, they're revealed. That word revealed means, you know, when you, I don't know if you have kids or who, those of us who are listening who have kids, but you may play hide and go seek and the kids thought it would be really fun to hide under the covers, right? Like you can't see them there, but it was so fun to, oh, where are they? And you kind of play around like you don't see them. But then you, you, you take the sheets on the corner and then you just yank the sheets back all in one show. And then they're laying right there and you go, ah, and you got you. That's what it means for God. God to reveal means he yanks back the covers so you can see plainly what's, what's lying in plain view. And so he says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. The context of what I want to say to you is we don't have to just sample provisions. We can consult with God and God reveals things to us by his spirit. The, the, a benefit of being a believer is that I have the gift of the Holy Spirit in my life and because I have the gift of the Spirit, God reveals things to me. Listen to what it says after that in verse 10. It says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, searches all things, even the, listen to this phrase, even the deep things of God. Mm -hmm. I want to know me a little bit more about the deep things of God. He goes on and says, no, he says, no one knows the thoughts of another of God, except the spirit of God. And no one knows the thoughts of another person, except that person's own spirit. But in verse 12, he says, we have received, uh, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God. Why? So that we can understand what God has freely given us. God's not playing a hide and go seek game. He wants to reveal all the amazing things that he has freely given us. He says, these, th these are spiritual realities that we can come to know. And then he gets down here at this last part in verse 15. The person with the Spirit can make judgments. And that's not like critical judgments, so we can be critical or condemning. What that means is we, we can properly judge. What if, the, what if Joshua and the elders were able to properly evaluate and judge in that moment? They wouldn't have made a commitment into a situation that was less than God wanted for him. God has so many amazing things prepared for us. He wants to reveal them to us. How does he reveal them to us? By his spirit. And he says, the person with the spirit can make judgments about all things. I can make judgments about family matters. I can make judgment about political things that I know nothing about. I can make judgment about economic matters. I can make judgments because I can be led by the Spirit. And it finishes with this thing. It says, we have the mind of Christ. 
That's what I want to pray for myself. Lord, give me the mind of Christ. Help me to make proper judgments. Lord, give me wisdom where I'm lacking and insight where I need to have it. Lord, I want to, I'm going to consult with you today about what lies ahead because I don't want to make silly commitments by only observing what's right in front of me. Oof. And maybe what others are using as a ruse against me. One of the things the enemy is always doing is he is scheming with his tricks to give us a smoke and mirror show and, and to, and to, and to, and to, and to um, lead us down paths that are less than God's best. Oof. But we don't have to go down that path. Oof. We can consult with God. So we have two ears from which we can listen. A, an ear of compassion to which we can offer a friend and show them our love. And an ear, maybe that same ear with which we can listen to what's happening in our culture and be, and be aware of what the world's saying. But at the same time, I can listen with a spiritual ear that is attuned to the counsel and the consult of God, that he can give me understanding and he can show me all the wonderful things that he freely wants to give me. And I don't have to uh, shortchange myself or get into commitments or obligations that um, take me down roads or paths that are not God's best. So believers, consult with God. Look into that passage. Ask God to fill you with the Spirit in a way that gives you greater understanding. And if you don't know the Lord yet, I encourage you to take full advantage of all that God wants for you. Come into a right relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ and allow Him to give you that gift of the Holy Spirit so you too can make um, fully informed decisions uh, with the wisdom and, and the perspective of God, not just our own. So good, man. I was taking notes. I was like, I got... <laughs> That was so good, man. And I think really, as we look at that, I think even to make sure we have both of those ears on, you know, the, the compassion and culture ear of what's going on, but then the spiritual ear of mm -hmm. hearing, you know, we, we don't look at anything, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, from a worldly point of view. Right. It doesn't mean we're not aware of what's going on culturally, but he's saying there's more to what's going on than what we can see. Even what people are saying or doing, they're, they're, there are things that are said, but then there's a thing that's not said that's really what they're saying. And I think this is why we have to have ears to hear. You know, when people are in pain, they, they project what they uh, immediately are feeling or, or thinking, but that may not be what's at the root of some of that. That just is the, the cause. And, you know, yeah. uh, that's the, uh, you know, not, not the root, uh, but that's just the, the out the outcome of what it is they're expressing. And I think to have those ears to hear. So as we think about that, even in COVID time, and you hit on so much here, Todd, I didn't know if you wanted to add any more that you've learned through this season about life and how you have to lead through COVID-19 um, during this season. Um, not to go down a totally different path, but, but I would just, I, and this is, I would say something to believers. Yep. Only. So I, I want to qualify this. Um, um, this is not the first time the world's been in a crisis. And I would say this is not the last time. Mm -hmm. I hate to say that. And I don't mean to be negative or, or fearful. <laughs> That's another prayer I prayed. Lord, I mean, from the onset of this thing, mm -hmm. I said, Lord, I pray that you would take away all fear yeah. out of me. So that I may 
discern and I may lead from a perspective of faith, not fear. Mm -hmm. um, but I would, I don't want to be critical of God's church, but yet I want us to grow, not just Pastor David Cooper is this senior pastor here at Mount Perrin, and he made a statement, don't just go through it, grow through it. Mm -hmm. And so my hope for believers, especially, is that we would grow through this. And here's a, another Old Testament story that also involves Joshua, by the way, mm -hmm. that has been a picture for me. Um, it's been a picture for me. Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14, is an amazing story. Um, it, Joshua led the people into the promised land, but Moses, 40 years before that, was also trying to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And that moment is found in Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. God told Moses, pick 12, how do you do that? 12 people, 12 guys, to go into the promised land and survey the land and come back and tell us what it's like. And so he picked Caleb, Joshua, and 10 other leaders, one from each tribe, and they went into the promised land and for 40 days. They traveled around the promised land to get a picture of what it's like. And when they came back, in chapter 13, when they came back, they said, all 12 of them said, this promised land is unbelievable. The, the language they used in the Bible times was, it is flowing with milk and honey. I don't even know what that means, but I mean, I think it means, man, this place is pretty cool. This place is unbelievable. You're not going to believe this. But as soon as they said that, 10 of the 12 guys said, it is unbelievable, but giants live there. There is no way we can go over there and take, take that land. He goes, those people are giants. It says that land devours anybody who comes into it. And what the scripture says is that those 10 men shared a bad report. And just like COVID and just like fear, fear is more contagious than COVID, by the way, that fear and the bad report, you think COVID spreads quickly. It was just a few hours after they returned and began to share that bad report that the entire nation, we're talking potentially as much as 2 million people, heard the bad report and became so fearful and upset. What has God done bringing us out here just to die? Take our children and our wives over there just to get killed. And by the end of the night, they wanted to stone to death Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua. They want to stone them to death and go back to Egypt, their place of captivity. <laughs> this is just a few hours. Read the story yourself. I mean, this is like 24 to 36 hours, this story. <laughs> so a bad report. And then Joshua chimes in and he goes, no, no, no. We can do it. If God is with us, we can do it. And, it, it, and that's just been a, a statement I've continued to say, if God is with us, 
we can do it. If God, there was, the, there was the message of faith. If God is with us, we can do it. And then there was the bad report. We're going to get devoured. And, and overnight, jo, Moses, Joshua, uh, Aaron, and Caleb were praying. And the next morning, they got up and they tried to convince the people again. And um, they were just eat up with fear. And God stepped into that moment. And again, I, I, I want to say this again. This happened within 24 or 36 hours. God stepped in. And again, I'm speaking to believers here. God stepped in and he says, they're not treating you with contempt, Moses. They're treating me with contempt. Their disbelief, God took that personally. And that was the moment where God said, None of those people over 20 are going to enter into my promised land, except Joshua and Caleb. And that was the moment that their direction went from the promises into the desert. I, and I found it interesting. I don't know. I'm still kind of swimming with this. But here's the point. That, that the, the people of God in that moment weren't ready to accept the challenge in faith. And they, they responded in fear and instead of faith. And what and that that directed the next four decades of their life. A 36-hour period changed the trajectory of their course for the next 40 years. And I feel like this is a big overarching statement that this is a moment where the body of Christ. We need the spirit of faith to rise up to address the fears and the challenges as men and women of faith so that we don't find ourselves on a different path for the next 40 years, but we find ourselves in the path that God wants us to be in for the next 40 years. I think this is a crucial time to keep our faith tethered to the Father. Uh, Second Chronicles 20 Chapter verse 12, Hezekiah prays a prayer in the midst of, in the midst of a crisis like we're in. Bunches of kings were coming against him. He was about to get wiped out. And this was his prayer. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What a great prayer to pray in that moment. The prayer is not to pray, Lord, we don't know what to do, so we're going to give up and go to Egypt. <laughs> We might not know what to do, but let's, let's be men and women of faith who keep our eyes on the Lord. And let's remember that if God is for us, if God is for us, we can go forward. We can possess the land. And let's not be people of fear and allow fear to motivate and to, and to shape our thinking and our decisions and our future. Mm. Our God is still in the miracle working business. Our God is still in the business of healing. Our God has given us the powerful name of Jesus. Our God has given us the scriptures to be our God. Our God is open that we would consult with him and, and get wisdom from him. Our God has filled us with his spirit so that he, we can not only understand those things, but we can act like Christ and love those even who are still full of fear and needing hope and direction. And uh, I want us to be those types of believers, reflecting Christ in a holistic way in this time. Yeah, and I think as you even said that, it really goes back to what we said before about 
the ears to hear. Um, the Lord's speaking even in this time, and he says, let those who have ears, let them hear this, right? It's the day we hear his voice, it says in Hebrews. Let's not harden our hearts. But part of the, the challenge is to uh, fix our eyes on the things that aren't seen, but the things that are unseen. And so um, it's yes. not that we, we minimize what's happening or we act like everything's great. No, we, we say, hey, I have concerns and I need comfort and I need clarity. Um, but all that's going to come from keeping my eyes on the Lord, seeking his counsel as they did not do in Joshua 9. And then 2 Corinthians, uh, you know, or 1 Corinthians 2, which you mentioned before is, you know, that idea too of, hey, we're, we understand the one that's strengthening us. We know the one who wants to reveal these things to us. He's not, he's not hiding out somewhere. Uh, but are we underwhelmed by that? Do we believe that he is enough and that he's going to show us the way forward. And I, I think even in the midst of it to declare to him, Hey, my fear about quote unquote COVID, it could be, you know, COVID, it could be whatever, you know, fear financially, fear uh, with friendships, fear, whatever you want to put in the blank there. I think we need to acknowledge what those fears are, but we need to acknowledge the one who's greater than those fears. And that's, that's right. what faith does. Faith isn't, Hey, I don't have these concerns or I don't have uh, these fears or these worries. It says, Hey, I'm going to be honest with the Lord about these, but I know who's bigger than these concerns. So the storm is big, right? Back to what you talked about before. The storm is big, but the one who's in the boat is bigger and more powerful. <laughs> you know, Jesus is, is more powerful and he wants to walk with us in that. And I think to, to not be underwhelmed, as you said so well, Todd, by his presence is so important in this. And I think that's why even in this time, prayer is going to be such a, a a key part because there's a lot of things that we're going to try to solve in our own power and strength. There's a lot of voices we're going to hear. There's a lot of panic that we are going to be tempted to let cause us to let uh, lead us and cause us to make premature decisions or impulsive choices that are going to do harm to us and to others as well. And I think being a, having a prayerful spirit is so important. So I wanted to ask you, as you think about that, Todd, like, and I know you've hit on some of this already, I wanted to ask you, how would you encourage us? How would you encourage us during this season to deepen our prayer life? What are, what are some of the, the, the how-tos behind that and that you have tried to live out in your own life? Yeah. Um, I think the way my prayer life has been deepened, hmm. I would say two things about that. One, um, staying in God's word. Yeah. Um, because most of the time, the things I find I want to, that, that I think I should pray about or that God might, I feel like God is leading me to pray about versus just my own random list, which is, you know, he tells us to bring our grocery list to him. But, but what has deepened that is, is not just looking for prayers in the Bible, but having a constant and, and, and a daily, weekly um, habit and, yeah. and devotion of being in the scriptures. Cause it's when I'm reading through the scriptures that something jumps off the page at me and I begin to realize that God wants to speak something into my heart and nourish me through this phrase or word or, 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 or verse. He has a truth for me there. And my prayer life is deepened when I, when I'm, when I try to listen to what he's showing me there and then pray about that. I, I open my heart right there. Lord, I see this text and I, Lord, what are you trying to show me? What do you want me to do about that? And that dialogue 
between us and God. And then, so my, my prayer has been deepened as I read the word and try to prayerfully apply that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just praying what I, whatever, you know, Lord, help me with my day. You know, my kids, Lord, I pray that you'd help me have a blessed day. And Lord, I pray everything would go really great with me today. <laughs> you know, who doesn't want that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's great. But, but let's jump, a, let's take a little step further, you know. Let's move from uh, sticking my toe in the water to ankle deep to knee deep to maybe I'm waist deep now. And the, the, the progression out into that, that pool where I'm wading in the deeper things of the Lord is by allowing that word to shape my prayer moment. Mm. He begins to speak to me. And the second thing is more of a prayer for others is, is trying to walk in a courage that's willing to pray in the moment. I have told thousands of people, man, I'll be praying for you. And quite honestly, that was a lie. <laughs> Can you say that as a pastor? I'll probably get fired for something. <laughs> you can't. The only, reason Joe, the only reason Joe's laughing so loud is because he's done that himself. Oh, oh yeah. But it's, it's not out of uh, a, a jadedness or just I'm trying to have Christian lingo. I mean, I genuinely think that, but I get distracted. And the next thing you know is two or three days later, or here's even worse. I told that person I would pray for them. And then I see them coming down the hall two weeks later and I go, Oh Lord, I pray you bless Susie. Oh, I've been praying for you. How are you doing today? <laughs> Even worse. What a, what a, what a joke. No, I'm just kidding. But the, <laughs> the point is um, the deepening of my prayer life is the boldness to in the moment say, can I pray for you right now? Yeah. And even with eyes wide open in Walmart, you don't have to be on my knees, you know, uh, you know, hold on to the grocery cart there. I mean, I can just put a hand respectfully on their shoulder or not even do that. But I can just say, Lord, I thank you right here in, in, in the bread aisle, right near to the Wonder Bread, and you're wonderful. And I honor <laughs> you, Lord, right now. You're the bread of life, you know, whatever. And just say, God, I, I'm asking you would touch Joe today. I'm praying that you would give him the wisdom he needs. And I know he's scared right now. So I just pray you'd strengthen him. And we trust you for that, God. Show yourself strong in Jesus' name. I mean, just that quick. Yeah. And it deepens my prayer life because it, it puts it in real life moments and in real life situations. And, um, you know, a lot of the prayers in the Bible aren't that long, man. Mm-hmm. Peter's, again, back to that Peter, Peter in, in Acts 3. All he prayed with eyes wide open in the middle of that crowd was in the name of Jesus, be healed. And, 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 and the guy's legs strengthen up. Yeah. So praying in the moment and praying out of my devotion in scripture. Yeah, it's so good. Have deepened um, that at a level for me. Yeah, and I was going to say, I, I would encourage everybody listening to this too, to, to think through. Uh, one of the easiest ways to do that is to take like a Psalm that maybe you're familiar with, like Psalm 23, which is mm-hmm. probably one of the most well-known Psalms and to start praying that in, in an intentional way, like the Lord is my shepherd. Lord, I thank you that you are my shepherd. I recently did that. I, I journaled it all out and I was just like, man, because I, I, I agree with you. Like it anchors you in more than just uh, re- repetition and kind of, um, you know, because it's easy to start getting repetitive and saying the same thing again and again and again versus, hey, I'm deepening my understanding of his heart and his mind. And we know scripture reveals that to us. And then we become more aligned with him as we as we do that. And then the, the other part of what you said, which I think is so spot on and really 
I don't know if I may have picked that up from you, Todd, because uh, John and I are, and I think Jesse does this too, but John and I, man, we're notorious to just pray with people on the spot. Yeah. Like, like, and we'll do that people in the church, people outside the community who are not, you know, they may not, you know, be followers of Jesus, but when they're sharing things, I'll just say, Hey, do you mind? Would you mind if I take a moment to pray for you? Yeah. The word on the street is don't ask Pastor Velarde to pray for you because he will. <laughs> well, I'll just say straight up like, hey, I'm going to pray for you. And John was just telling me, uh, I saw him this morning. He was just saying he did that recently for a business uh, leader that he knows who owns a, a barbershop in our area. And um, man, he was just so blessed by that. And I think, I think understanding the, the value in this time of deepening our own personal relationship with God, but then inviting others into this sacred space, because right now people need spiritual voices, spiritual authority in the name of Jesus, back to what Todd said, because they're looking for something to anchor their life in. And I've had very few people to probably almost, I can only think of one example of someone saying, I don't want you to pray for me And right now. Uh, it was at the gym and they were very introverted. And I was like, man, can I pray for you right now? Uh, and they're like, no, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. But that was the only time. But I mean, I've asked people when I, you know, whether I'm at the, um, restaurants, you know, my waiter or waitress, I'll, I'll just say, Hey, we're going to pray for our food. Is there anything I'd be praying for you about? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll, they'll have something very specific or something very general. And then other times I'll pray with them at the table with us, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and just, I think these are the moments that seem ordinary, but they are an invitation to experience God's extraordinary power. Because we believe prayer changes things, but more than it changes things, it changes us. It changes our uh, understanding of how God's moving. It gives us eyes to see, ears to hear all that God's doing. And so, man, I love that. That, that, that is great. And I would encourage you as you're listening to this, because you're some of us are a little afraid to do this, start small. Start with somebody that you know. Just start building that muscle of, of praying with people. It is such a gift. Start in your own home. The next time your kid says, I got a hurt toe, pray right there. Yep. Before you go for the Band-Aid, before you go for the ointment in the, in the Advil, <laughs> Pray. Yeah. Practice right there. You want to put together two ma- powerful ingredients, Joe, in ministry. It's actually listen to what they're saying and then pray that to the Father. Mm-hmm. They, will have no- they, will, they will know you have heard them and they're no longer alone. And then you connect them with the Father through prayer and bringing their intimate, invisible, felt issues before the Lord and then trust him with the rest. And man, you got something going on right there. That's so good. Well, Todd, I wanted to talk a little bit about Mount Perrin. I know you're an assistant pastor and I love, I love how you said this because anybody that is an assistant pastor will appreciate what he said, whatever that means, uh, you know, which you do a lot of teaching on Wednesday nights, right? That, that you, have a, you guys have a Wednesday night service. You do a right. lot with men's. Uh, ministry um, and walking alongside others. But one of the things that those who don't know Mount Perrin um, is it's such a diverse church. It's probably, at least from my perspective, one of the most uh, multi-ethnic churches I've ever seen and experienced and been a part of. And it's a true gift to see uh, what, what Mount Perrin has been able to accomplish as they've lifted up Jesus and so many nationalities, uh, again, represented. And I was just curious, how many, do you know how many nationalities are represented there? I mean, 
I remember when I was there, it was, it was a lot, uh, even back then, but I couldn't remember the specific number. I don't think there is a specific number, Joe, uh, not one I've heard and I have not tried to count. Um, just speaking of the beauty of it though, um, one of the most beautiful ways that's been expressed over the years though, um, is, is we, we put on some wonderful programs. Our music ministry is fantastic. And we put on some amazing programs like Christmas time or Easter time and our two of the big times of the year. And over the years, they've, utilized a lot of the different languages and, and people groups and uh, in a song or something. And, you know, there's 10, 12, 15 different families that'll get up and share a verse in their native tongue. And, um, and it's just beautiful to see and to be a part of it, of that moment, because it just reminds you how big your God is and how encompassing his love is. Huh. And uh, it breaks you out of your little, I live in Atlanta and my, my little piece, you know, and, and it really reminds you of how big, yeah. glorious and sovereign our God is. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, you guys have done such a great job too of, I feel like, celebrating those different cultures and in, in the ways in which that's highlighted, whether that's through the music and Mark Blankenship, who's a, a, a freaking stud. Like he, that man, he just crushes it. He's another guy that, drinks from the fountain of youth. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, uh, but in the midst of that, like, you know, you see a lot of, you know, just different ways in which you guys celebrate those cultures and you let it be a picture of what it's going to be like at Re in revelation, right? We're going to all tongues and tribes are going to be around the throne, right? And they're going to say, all glory, honor and, and praise belongs to him who sits on the throne. Right. And, and we, you know, every time I'm there, I get a picture of that. Wow. Like this, the diversity of, of, of what Mount Perrin is and, and what you guys um, have been able to do together as a church. So I wanted to ask you guys, or I wanted to ask you specifically, Todd. Before you get to that question, hold that question right there. Cause I would actually say though, um, and not to contradict what you're saying, cause I, I hear the heart of what you're saying, but if you were to ask our senior pastor that question, yeah, he would, he would be quick to tell you <laughs> that we're not diverse he didn't believe in the word diversity mm. out of the root of divide. Yeah. And he would be quick to say, we don't celebrate diversity. Mm. So I hear the heart of what you're saying and I appreciate that, but he would be quick to say that. And the only reason I even bring that up is to, to say, I think the reason that so many different cultures feel welcome here is because we just focus on Jesus. Mm. We don't mm. focus on anything else. Mm. That draws all men mm. to himself. And um, I think that's an important point in all that is that what you really won't find is, is a, mm. a group for this, a group for that, a group for that, yeah. and a unique no, thing I, over here. And yeah, I don't think yeah. you're saying that. I'm just simply no, no, saying no. his heart for the entire time has been um, – to celebrate we're humanity. We're, we're one race, the human race, <laughs> and we worship the one God in Jesus Christ. Mm. And um, I think he's been true to that for a long time. So I get your heart. I'm certainly not disagreeing. I think we're saying the same thing, but he would be certain to point out that, that, that one tidbit of that. Yeah. Well, it's been interesting because I, I don't know if I would, I, I don't disagree with the division part of that or even, 
a class for this or that. But I think what's beautiful is the way in which you guys have, maybe the better way to say that is to honor the uniquenesses that the other brings and to celebrate that, not necessarily the divide of it, but rather the uniquenesses that make um, each person that's there um, feel welcome. Uh, and right. Yeah. Right. It, like it, 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 that's, it what I, that's what I'm more common to see the man in African garb or, or yeah. the um, person in, in, in other type or, or the Asian person in, in something that we might not think, well, that's not in my closet. I don't have one of those, yeah. <laughs> even though it looks really comfortable. I got to tell you, <laughs> I don't have one though. And, um, but that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm thankful. They feel they got dressed up in their culture and they came to church, so to speak. And, um, then you got the kid with flip flops and, 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 and ripped jeans. And that's great. Everybody should feel welcome in the house of the Lord. It's a house of prayer for all nations. Mm -hmm. so that's a good thing. You know, you don't only can fall into a trap culturally or ethnically or whatever, that can happen with generations. Mm -hmm. and may all our generations feel valued. Yeah. And I think that's what, I think that's what I've really appreciated about Mount Perrin is that you guys have sought to celebrate welcome to give people to have a space and a place, even to sit at the table and say, Hey, I'm much a part of this, yes. this person or that person. That's, and right. that, that's what I'm really speaking to is. Yes. yes. Uh, Yes. Yeah, because I see, I mean, that's pretty rare, mm. you know, and, you know, I know you guys have lifted up Jesus. Are, are there anything like practically beyond lifting up Jesus and how you guys go about doing things that have informed how you welcome people, celebrate them, and invite them to have a seat at the table? Well, I would say we're somewhat intentional about making sure everyone is, is um, represented. Mm. Um our volunteer base is, is broad and wide and, and yeah. I think it's important to um, have us all, have everybody represented there. Mm. Um, and, and um, so no matter what door you walk in from our church, um, you're going to see someone that looks like you from the time you hit the parking lot to the time you hit the sanctuary seating, you're going to see people that look like you in one short form or fashion or another. And, um, that comes from just the heart of the people as they get involved. They, they feel a sense of ownership and, and, yeah. and connectedness to the family want to give back. And we open doors for all that and make sure they're, they're involved. That's they really, involved. yeah. Cause I think that even happens not only from the, when you walk in, even on the stage too, you guys yeah. have done a great, you know, whether that's, you know, the different people who are taking a part in that. And I think it's just beautiful picture more than anything. I just wanted to, affirm it because <laughs> I, I I admire it more than anything because I'm like wow that's a beautiful thing that because it represents very well that area and many of you who are not from Atlanta uh, may have a, a point of reference for what you think Atlanta is like but really Mount Perrin is a good representation of people from all kinds of countries um, races represented you know uh, people who have different ethnic backgrounds all these things that are there but they're rallying around Jesus. And it's just been, it's a beautiful picture uh, to watch. And Todd, I just am so excited about um, all that God's doing through you. I appreciate you being on the Vision for the Valley podcast. You are such a gift to me and to so many others. And I wanted to ask you if people wanted to connect with you or learn more about Mount Perrin, how could they do that? 
Yeah, Mount Perrin's got a simple web address, mountperrin.com, and it's easy to find us there. And I would welcome uh, anybody wanting to contact me. I'm just Todd R, Todd Rainwater, Todd R at mountperrin.com. And uh, welcome um, to encourage or pray or anything I could do to support uh, those who listen. Uh, more than welcome to do so. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, joy to see you, man. I'm so thankful for all God's doing through you and Amy and your family and your church and your whole, your brothers. Uh, it's just, it's a joy to see you, man. Uh, so oh, dude, really, oh. thanks for the chance to get together and talk. Oh man, it, it was so fun. And I really appreciate you again, being on the podcast, Todd, you're a blessing. You're doing a good work there. And I appreciate all the insights you dropped on us today, man. That was so good. It was so powerful. So thanks again for joining us and thanks for everybody for tuning in today. Thanks for joining us for the Vision for the Valley podcast. We'd love to connect with you and to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Vision for the Valley podcast, or you can email us at Vision for the Valley podcast at gmail.com. 